Welcome to Ghost Stories with Franz and Pete. I'm your co-host, Franz. And I'm Pete. Let's talk about the internet. Thanks for joining us. We are here with Victoria Gossman. She is all the way in sunny. Well, it may not be sunny right now because it's later there right now. It is sunny. Good. Over in Germany. And full disclosure, Victoria and I used to work together. Victoria and I tried to do a podcast together. We did one episode and literally six of people loved it. We did two episodes. Did we do two episodes? Yeah, we did it twice. (laughs) Oh, we did the same episode twice, though. We did episode one twice. So good, we felt we had to do it again. <laughs> um, but we'd love to welcome you to the show. And um, this, we thought this would be an interesting conversation. Victoria has decided to start a company in the middle of a pandemic. And we thought that would be an interesting conversation. So, Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pete. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we get to talk on our very third podcast. Right, right. Third time's the charm. I feel, yeah, yeah, I, f- this I is, feel like this one is it. This is going to be the one. This is this one's going to have legs. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Um, so Victoria and I work together at Clicks, and I feel like that's a good place to start. For those of you who've been following along on the podcast, I believe episode two was Ghostry, a history. Yeah. Right. Yes, okay. Um, so clicks was the company that came out and purchased the ghostry product along with it. Five young people with stars in their eyes came over and started working with the clicks group and the rest is history there. But, um, the pandemic kind of caused a little bit of a riff, an issue with clicks, um, amongst maybe some other things there, but I don't want to be a, a, a downer, to start, but I just kind of wanted to get uh, your opinion. Um, you know, how was that? What was that like for you to, you know, pour your heart and soul into this thing? And then, and then something happened, took a left turn. Um, you, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I have to disappoint you, though. This is going to be a downer. I, I figured it would be. I just wanted to try to be <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We can thing. start like that. Yeah. And afterwards, you put some really sad music alongside. with. Yeah, I got violins out back. We're, we're going to roll this thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it has been pretty heartbreaking, to be honest. It's, I mean, you probably know, right, Pete and Franz, you're, you're kind of on the same boat there. You work for a company that you really believe in. That's a difference, right? Mm-hmm, you could have mm-hmm. started at an insurance company. You could have started car dealers selling purses. I don't know. But you decided to work at a company that had a mission. And I have to say, it's a huge mission. It, we knew from the very beginning that it was probably too big. It's right. You, you start and knowing that it's very, very likely you're going to fail. You're not going to survive against the big ones. They're always going to outbid you. I'm not going to say the names. You know the names, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you work for a company and pour all your heart and your passion. In, and at Clicks, uh, Pete, you have been over at our offices in Munich, France. I don't know if you've ever been over at uh, the Clicks. I never, uh, I never got the chance. I was like in between. I was hired once before uh, when Clicks initially came on board, and then I uh, went into fintech. And actually, what you said, you know, coming back to a place where I'm passionate about uh, is what brought me back to Ghost Read. I do believe in the mission. So yeah, I was. I just missed missed everything. <laughs> no Germany for me, unfortunately. Yeah, so maybe, you know, Pete, I think you can agree with me that it was always a very special vibe there, right? Oh, absolutely. 
at a high, it was 150 people working for clicks and very, very enthusiastic people. You know, privacy was their thing. And you know that whenever we tried at the marketing department to you know, do some regular advertising, it was always alarm. We can't mm -hmm. do that. We have to find a different way to do this. This isn't up to our standards. Our ethics are higher than our users' ethics, probably. And so it was it was quite inspirational and you could see that people had their heart in this and i personally had my heart in this uh, i invested a lot of time and effort in it and uh, i wouldn't do it any other way uh, i learned so much in that time and it was very precious to me still when the day came and we learned uh, it's the last day of clicks it was pretty sad it was especially sad because we weren't in a room together Right? That's what you normally do when somebody breaks your heart. You go out, you buy a bottle of liquor, and mm -hmm. you, you kind of, you know, you're just going to be sad together for a little bit, you know, celebrate the good times. But we were all distanced across the city with our screens and all looking into the same Zoom meeting like, what is happening to us? Yeah. So that was pretty sad. So I don't know how have you felt that time? How did you learn about it? Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, we got pulled into a similar zoom meeting and we're told that this was happening and everybody was just kind of like, you know, blood rushes from face and just like, you know, these are our friends, not only our, our coworkers, but our friends, you know, this is, you know, tough. And, and then selfishly, it's like, well, what, what happens to us? We have the same mission. We have the same ideas. We're all, you know, our our tech is intertwined. Like we, there's so many things that we share, not only from a company standpoint and not only from an emotional standpoint. So it's like, where do we go from here? And so it's been still kind of like a learning process. I mean, it's been what, two, three months. I, I have no frame of reference of where we are anymore. Uh, I assume it's the same year. Um, but it's, it's been five months, wow. five months. Um, so yeah. So even, even still today, we still talk about you know, what are our next steps after this major change, um, in our day to day. So it's, it's definitely, um, still with us. I, I personally have the exact same, um, scenario when I worked for another tech company and they came in and I was just like, Oh, look, there's our boss walking in the middle of the drive, you know, coming over from the hotel. Why are they here? <laughs> you know, and and then I looked at my my local boss, and he's like, "It's not gonna be good." I was like, "Oh, okay." And then the exact same thing happened, and it was just so I a hundred percent know how you all felt, and um, I, f I felt for you, and um, so that's the end of sadness. So maybe I don't know. You have more sadness? Okay, please keep your sadness going. Just one more sad thing. No, not not generally a sad thing, but something to think about, right? I think in the day that Clicks died, it wasn't just, you know, my personal uh, mission that died with it. I think it was a huge loss for the players of privacy, online privacy in general, mm -hmm. right? Um, there aren't many of us uh, left out there uh, fighting this weird little rebellion that we're fighting for a better internet. And I think that is a loss and that makes it even more obvious that those remaining uh, need to fight even extra hard. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, that's 
that's totally true. I've actually had some conversations with, you know, people on social media. Um, I'm a, I'm not going to say a regular guest cause I've only done it twice, but another guest on, uh, the essential Apple podcast, Saranac, big shout out to you. Um, but he was a big fan of the clicks browser. Um, and he actually reached out and was just like, man, this, this hurts and sorry, <laughs> you know, and, exactly what you're saying it's like there's there's not many options for for people out there that are fighting this good fight and there's not many of us left and so that's we gotta keep going and hope that these smaller steps in the larger scale of the of of what's happening um you know gets us to the next big great thing that maybe will push everything over the top and start giving us a better private option so but yeah i agree with you and in the end, it all boils down to the question of monetization. Mm -hmm. Are people willing to pay for their privacy or not? I think there's no way to tiptoe around this. There's no way there's a free version that is not intrusive. And that is the, the true question. Are people going to be willing to pay for privacy or not? Because that's the only thing that's going to make you survive. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, businesses don't stay open for the, for the, I mean, they do for the love of the game, but they also they, something's got to keep the, the lights on and somebody's got to keep the people working and something. So 100 percent, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of happy medium there. And we just got to figure out what that is. And hopefully we'll all figure it out someday. Maybe we'll be a part of that. I hope we're a part of that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, uh, the life of a brand manager can be quite different. And actually, I took a look at your website earlier and I saw that you're only using uh one tracker which you know good nod to you and it was i think i think it was typekit by adobe so it's just for fonts so you know you're i, I see that clicks is kind of still echoed true uh at, you know when you've carried over to your own business how does the you know um privacy now intertwine with your day-to-day -day, uh now that you're kind of you know doing your own thing and um is it still like a forefront in your mind or is it uh you know is it something that you know is maybe taking a little bit of a backseat since you kind of have to really you know think about yourself first probably for the first time rather than you know like a overall you know as a company yeah completely agree so it was a shift in my mind to be honest and it was a shift in software too it, it was a day i had to uninstall the clicks browsers on my phone and uh, on my macbook i had to think about what am i going to do now what's my second best option and i reverted to a firefox ghostory combination that i'm pretty happy with right now thank you it's <laughs> as good as my old blue browser but that's what it is. I'm, it's very functional for me. So that's what happened on, on the private level. And that's what I'm also using for work, right? But especially when it comes to promoting your own website, right? I was thinking about implementing um, a newsletter, for example, on my own website and thinking about how can I do this? How can I ask for consent in the best way? How, um, how am I going to deal with uh, trackers and pixels and email lists that I'm going to have? So I'm still in the reading phase of that. I haven't found a good solution yet. That I haven't found a tool that I really want to uh, integrate in my website yet. Mm -hmm. I know so much right now that it's really difficult to decide on software. <laughs> but it's, it's a necessary thing to do. It just takes me a little more time and I'm going to implement a solution I'm going to be happy with. And I'm going to know exactly what is in, on, 
what's on my website. Right? A lot of admins don't really know what they have installed, what kind of plugin there is, and that's knowledge, and knowledge makes you smarter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, you said something that's very true. Admins typically don't really know what's in their tech stack. And since, you know, you're starting from scratch and building your own thing, you have a very finite and uh, easy control over it. So it's nice to hear that it's still at the forefront of your mind, even though, you know, you're still kind of doing things uh, for yourself. But, you know, um, for, for our listeners out there, uh, how hard has it been for you to, you know, go through this transition of, you know, being let go and then finding the motivation to pull yourself up out of this, you know, whole COVID debacle and build something brand new. Uh, and, and, you know, like how hard has that been for you or, or was it easy? Like, uh, you know, what was that process like for you? It was a mix of both, to, to be honest. It was quite devastating at first, of course, you know, losing your job in the midst of a pandemic, which is also the beginning of an economic crisis. You know, this is not just going to be over, um, you know, real quick. You know, what's happening mm -hmm. right now is going to have an impact on the world for the next months and days to come, right? Like you talked about two or three seasons um, or podcast episodes ago, you talked about that what we're living right now is going to be the history books of the future. So you know what's happening is, is big. So I was thinking about where do I see myself in this scenario? Where do I see myself in the future? And I couldn't picture myself applying for jobs right now and starting at a company, like I said earlier, right? Some commodity utility company without a big mission and without being able to really pour my passion into that. So I decided... Huh? the same day i decided to start my own company i was i was walking outside and i still had uh, a glass of wine in my hand uh, that i needed for that day and i was i was talking to my partner and said you know what i'm just gonna start my own thing i'm gonna make my own rules and i'm gonna find i'm gonna create that job that i always wanted that wasn't out there that was exactly what i wanted to do so the decision was easy and uh, everything that followed after that was paperwork and calls and insurances and all that kind of thing but these are just necessary steps people are so afraid of these things when i talk when i talk to my family and to my friends and told them you know what i'm gonna start my own company and they're like how are you going to do that? What about health insurance and, and taxes? And how are you going to do that? And everybody's so afraid. It's just a hurdle. It's just a step. You're going to take it, move on, take it, move on. It's, it's not that big of a deal. That's a really good outlook on that because honestly, I'm terrified. I'd be terrified. I, yeah, same here. I would have been like, you know what? I would have been with your family being like, well, how are you pulling this off? Um, but you know, more power to you. That's, that's really impressive. And I'd like that you can just face it and look at it as a hurdle something to overcome and then just be done with it and, and move forward. That's pretty awesome. Um, sounds like, was that a glass of a uh, Riesling that you were drinking while you were uh, making this decision? Or? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it no. was. <laughs> See, Franz would have fit in very well with us while we were wandering around the streets of Germany together that the last night that I feel like I remember where we found that pizza place. Yes, that, that was a good night. That was good. That was good. I wonder what German pizza's like. Never had it. Oh, was it was Italian pizza. Don't worry. It was Italian. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't wearing lederhosen or anything. I was. I might have been. 
I tried that whole trip to wear lederhosen the entire time. I think I lasted three days, but it was it was tough. It's pretty comfy though. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I. It's more I, comfortable I, than the dirndl, the the female Bavarian. I, I, I believe I believe that I believe that I actually wore my lederhosen here for a show I played, and it's very difficult to play guitar and have lederhosen on because it all just kind of starts to go like there's just yeah. too many straps, too many straps. Um, did you think uh, so when you ran off on your own? Were you was there any thought about I'm going to bring this person with me? I'm going to bring this person with me. There was a there was a conscious decision that I'm doing this by myself and I'm going to see what happens. Was there any thought behind maybe cherry picking your your favorites and and starting? We're going to go out and change the world on our together. Or um, what was your thought process behind um, by yourself or with a group? So seen as I have zero experience in entrepreneurship, <laughs> at least five months ago, I had none. Uh, it, it's just not very smart to start off as a group, right? Mm -hmm. To have employees, to have uh, more overhead to pay for it, to have big, you know, business offices to pay for, etc. It just makes you slower to move. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just riskier at that point. It's easy when you're starting from zero to grow from there. And I had myself, I had everything I knew and I had a big passion and that's something I could start with. I can definitely imagine having, uh, you know, partners and coworkers and- Like the safety and numbers, so to speak, you know? Yeah, I can imagine growing in the future. It's just easier to grow from where you are already than to make an unnatural leap into something you're really not sure about. Did uh did you have any like clients uh kind of in mind or lined up when you were uh creating uh you know your your own favorite job and everything or did you just you were just like you know what I'm going to go ahead and do this and I'll find the work when it comes to me or I'll you know I'm just putting it out to the world. So I had a vision. Mm -hmm. That's all I had at that <laughs> drunken moment with my wine glass in the hand. <laughs> I, I knew I love startups and I love their vibe. I know I really love their ambition they're working with. They're really working towards something. And what they're lacking sometimes is a little guidance, is some skills, some knowledge, somebody to help them out. And I know I could do that. And I really wanted to work with self-starters. Um, that's really what I, what I had in mind. Self-starters, small and medium-sized businesses with a big mission. So... Mm -hmm. And I knew there are so many out there. It's just it's just a matter of time. You read TechCrunch or Product Hunt every day and you see, wow, there are so many cool people out there who are trying something new. I could be, you know, I could be an asset to them. I could help them figure out their brand, figure out how they want to communicate to their audience, what's even special about their product, how do how do they want to look and feel to the outside world? And yeah, so that's I had a vision. I didn't have anybody lined up. Now I have some people lined up, which is pretty cool. Nice. That that worked pretty smoothly, even though budgets aren't as big as they, you know, as they used to be <laughs> pre-COVID. Um, but sometimes I guess the, the vision helped, at least for me, it helped me look at the right places, knowing who I want to attract, who I want to work with. Then you don't waste your time talking to your neighbors if they know somebody who needs a new logo, right? Then you know, okay, I got to reach out to founders and, uh, you know, read, read the relevant media about that, connect to the right people on LinkedIn. 
is uh, LinkedIn the uh, is LinkedIn the platform that you use the uh, most for outreach, or uh, do you uh, do a lot of uh, wait for a lot of inbound to uh, on your website? S speaking of which, can you tell the listeners here what your website is? So my website is called Victoria with a C, Gasman, G A S S M A N N dot com. Wow, that's a very long name. I got to think about that. <laughs> that was good. At least it's not uh, like yeah, multiple names over and over and over again. Yeah, and I offer brand design and strategy for businesses of all kinds. And yeah, I, I do reach out on LinkedIn most. So the, it, it helps most if you connect to people and offer them something for free. And, and I don't mean free, free service like that, but you know, look at their things thoroughly. It's like, yeah, I looked through your pitch deck I found online and I noticed a couple things or, you know, I've been following your Instagram account and I see you have some discrepancy there or, I've noticed your logo looks very much like your competitors. What do you think about that? I can help you with that. And it helps when you really put yourself in the shoes of your client and not just say, hi, I'm Victoria. Can we work together? They need to know mm -hmm. why should they work with me and how can I help them? And I found that these kind of conversations you have at first, they don't always lead to a job, right? But they lead to a contact and somebody who appreciates you. And it's a little bit more work than just cold calling people and just saying your name and it doesn't work like that. We're all humans in the end. We want to know who we're working with and what they can do for us. So yeah. that's my experience. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's definitely helped uh, your sales shops too. I, I personally do not uh, have the patience for sales. Um, you know, once I hear no, I'm like, okay, that's that was fine. <laughs> it was nice trying to do business with you, but uh, I'll, I'll be on my way, which is why I do what I do now. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, um, in the, it, you know, the life of a brand manager, as I said earlier, has a lot of different facets and, uh, you know, you can do a lot of different things from, like you said, logo design to strategy to just brand management. Um, what do you value as like the most important thing that, you know, a brand manager such as yourself can bring to the table for a new client coming to you? Yeah, I think the most valuable thing that you can gain is clarity over your business and where you're moving in general. A logo is great, don't get me wrong. I love design, I'm very passionate about logos. We can talk another one hour, 30 minutes about <laughs> just how much I love logos. Don't get me wrong, design is beautiful and helpful, but what you really need is an understanding of what is this business that you're building? Where do you wanna go? Who are you talking to? What makes you different than your competitors? And um, this, this kind of clarity is something that you can get through brand strategy and some good positioning. Really, just imagine you're a founder and you're going to a meetup, maybe a virtual meetup these days. And, and you know, somebody asks you, what is it that you're creating and who are you creating this for, right? Very legitimate questions. And then you're there and you, you just don't really know what to say about this. We're kind of trying to like disrupt the industry. And so with newest iot technology you know there's a lot of buzzwords and people don't get you and it's not just you know other people at a meetup it's everybody out there it's it's your audience they don't get what you're saying who are you what is in it for me and why why should i use you why should i buy you right and this kind of clarity that creates confidence in some entrepreneur or founder like yeah finally i know where i'm going and i can move 
this way I can take my budget that I have and use it in a smart way to really get there. And when I'm there, I'm going to know it because what, where I want to go, I can measure that. I know that I'm there because the numbers tell me, not just my gut feeling tells me that. So, yeah. So I'd say clarity and confidence. These are the most valuable assets of a brand strategy. So you talked about it earlier, like almost you've, you've seen some stuff, so it's hard not to have kind of walked the privacy walk. Are you, are you trying to use the knowledge and kind of what you've seen and translate that into like, how much does privacy work into branding? Do you, do you try to be upfront about it or do you kind of like wait and see how does your client feel like if they just don't care, then so be it. Do you feel any sort of like obligation to be like, Hey, I learned this. <laughs> I, I kind of know about this stuff. Does this, does this matter to you? Cause we can go this route, you know, we can go the A package or the B package type of thing. Do, do you try to talk about that with clients or have you had enough clients that that's actually an issue? So one very important discussions you, you normally have is about purpose, right? Every company nowadays wants to have a mission and a great mission statement. And I completely agree that it's great to have a mission. You shouldn't just artificially shape a mission when you don't have one, right? If you, your entire mission is to make money, don't pretend uh, like you have a higher purpose. But there are many startups out there who really are driven by ethics, by a purpose, by wanting to shape the world in a specific way. And at some point, you're going to end up at privacy, right? This is going to be a topic when you say that your mission is to uh, is inclusion or diversity or uh, making the planet better, uh, decluttering the forests, something like that, right? There could be all kinds of of, of missions and uh, ethics. And at some point you have to talk about privacy because privacy in the end is respecting your users or, uh, or your consumers that you're having. And that's, that's, a, that's a talk you gotta have at that point. Is it okay that on one hand, um, fairness is super important to you, fairness and transparency in other parts of the business are really important. And you put that on your website and say, we're fair and transparent, but at the same time, you're putting all kinds of trackers on the website and you're selling the user data and they don't even know anything about that. Is that fair and transparent? So it privacy always shows up when you talk about purpose. How, uh, how top of mind is uh, privacy for like the, the German people? Because I know, you know, here in the United States, it's, it's kind of brushed under the rug a bit here. Um, we you know, we, ha we do have some privacy laws, uh, you know, COPPA and, and stuff we talked about in previous po uh, podcast episodes. But, you know, I'm not uh, as familiar with, um, you know, obviously the how the German people feel and, you know, uh, about their, their privacy rights. And uh, I really only know about um, GDPR and, you know, how that affects the, the EU. And, and um, but I'm just curious to know how to kind of get a pulse on the uh, the German people and if it is really uh, a, a concern of theirs when they are doing business or just searching the web. Yeah, so I think you can say that it has to do with our history as Germans. If you look back into the more recent history, right after Nazi Germany, um, there was a time that East Germany was under um, Stasi regime 
And so there was a time where it was really normal that people were um, listening to what is happening in your house. So there were bugs uh, in the houses and it was quite normal that you weren't sure uh, what's, who's, who else is there, who else is listening to what I'm saying, who's reading my letters, for example. So this is part of our history as the Germans. And I think this is still part of our consciousness that it's not right to invade our privacy like that, that it's uh, that you're you have to be careful about these things. And I've, I don't know, I haven't read any uh, any uh, research about this yet. It's just, you know, what I what I figured that that mm -hmm. might be part of our cultural heritage, that we're more sensitive towards privacy than maybe other countries are, because you can definitely yeah. say that Germany is very sensitive towards privacy. We have some of the strictest privacy laws in the entire world. So, and of course here, there are also people who are rather laissez-faire about their privacy. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, oh, it doesn't even matter anymore. They already have my data, right? <laughs> Younger people, especially they're, they're um, you know, they're more liberal towards their data than older generations. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of interesting that you say that, you know, like that, those were concerns, you know, uh, you know, generations ago. Meanwhile, I've got, you know, Amazon and Google, like, hey, just listen to everything I'm saying. They're one in every room. And, you know, uh, although I do try to mute the microphones as much, but it is nice to be able to control my lights by just saying, hey, Google, turn off the lights. But is that really worth the cost of my privacy? It really isn't. <laughs> but uh, the convenience is. is <laughs> but then how am but I yeah, going to know what to send you for your birthday and stuff? I mean, I can't go through the list and see what you've been talking about <laughs> over the past 20 days. So. Oh, don't worry. I'll let you know what you can send okay, me. Okay, good. Yeah. I'd like uh, a new guitar and guitar lessons, actually. Thank you. That's, that's hard to ship. Everybody's listening right now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Send guitar all the guitars lessons. to Franz at... I won't send you a no, 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 no. You can complete the address. You can, yeah. <laughs> I don't I have it memorized I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'll share them. Um, so totally shift gears. I'm just really curious. What's it like being um, what, what the day-to-day the -day over um, in Germany right now, just with, with COVID and stuff? What's, what's kind of like what's going on with you guys? Are you starting to kind of feel like a, a lightning or are you starting to feel um, – like it's never going to end or, you know, out and about, what, what's, what's the vibe? Yeah. The thing is that our numbers have been going up again mm -hmm. recently. So people were coming back from their summer vacation. It's, you know, it's, it's think school starts tomorrow mm -hmm. or something in Germany. So people are coming back from their big holidays <laughs> and that's might be one of the reasons why numbers have been going up again in Germany. So people are cautious. There's a lot of talks about a second lockdown. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But I, I feel like people are very strict when it comes to the social distancing and the mask. I haven't seen a single person in a supermarket or at a bank without a mask. Everybody's very precise about that. We're Germans, you know, we love the rules. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. when you, that train uh, shows up exactly when it's supposed to, everybody's got a mask on. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen um, anyone doing the, you know, oh, I'm wearing a mask, but not on my nose? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, I just part of your face. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. When I see that, I'm almost like I'd rather you not be wearing one than to show that you just don't even know how to put a mask on. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's something about it, like the half attempt, that is more annoying than just flat out ignoring it. 
it's just like okay you, you have it and then you're still just not obeying like or ah, anyway <laughs> yeah um so with that being said so what's it like um you know it, meeting with people obviously like you know you got your coffee dates you got your in-person meetings especially as somebody who's trying to brand them not only help companies brand themselves you are also trying to brand yourself what's it like to do the networking stuff i mean we talked about linkedin but i'm but i mean like what's it what's a day-to-day like i mean is it just all zoom calls is it phone calls what do you what 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 portrays you victoria brand manager guru to company blah 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 that needs your services what's it like to try to do all that in this state of being that we're all in right now yeah so there's absolutely zero offline networking right now there are no events um, and restaurants you can only go with you know the people you live in at home so it is really difficult oh really that's we don't have that that's an interesting little tidbit there so you can only go into a restaurant with somebody that you're habitating with yeah that used to be the rule i think now you know they're debating should it be open again should we close this regulation again but that used to you know used to be the rule you can only go you know either with your your close family or with the people you're you know cohabitating so it's difficult (laughs) unless you move in with you know, somebody you'd like to work with. Yeah, I'd be like, do you need a company? Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you have an extra bedroom I could use? Cool. Let's do this. <laughs> I think that's really a good start for a business relationship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the weirdest business model, but it works. Yeah, but it's it, these, you know, Zoom meetings and I, I feel very personal. I don't know how you feel about this. It depends a little bit on, you know, how much effort you put into the lighting of your room and maybe your background and but, you know, I feel like this is still quality time and sometimes you get to talk even better than in real life. Yeah. Sometimes there's less distractions around and I get to talk to people um, that maybe wouldn't have reached out to me. I, my first client is from San Francisco and uh, uh, that, that was pretty cool. And yeah, and <laughs> that's, that's why my background picture in Zoom is, is, is uh, San Francisco. And... I feel like they wouldn't have, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have reached out to me if it wasn't COVID. You know, maybe they would have reached out to mm-hmm. somebody local who would have walked into the office, mm-hmm. but were special times and they saw me on LinkedIn and liked the stuff I posted there. And then they said, yeah, let's work together. You got Zoom, right? We got this. Mm-hmm. And this yeah, is pretty the- cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. I mean, I guess if there's a time for a global pandemic, I guess it's 2020. Because think about, you know, this was 1918. I think it was with the Spanish flu was the last global pandemic. This, uh, you know, obviously the technology wasn't around, but I'm uh, I'm imagining things were uh, probably a bit more rough back then than they they are for us. But at least we have ways to cope with it now that we did. Their internet was way worse than what we have now. (laughs) Also, the end of the first world war. So I think general happiness. Yeah, it was pretty low. It was pretty low. I, 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 that's a great point that, you know, it's almost easier to reach out to somebody to talk to them on zoom because you don't have to put in, I'm just trying to think of in a, in a company standpoint, I don't, I don't have to put out so much extra time. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to carve out extra space or anything. All I do is hit, hit start. And I talk to somebody for 15 minutes and if, could be 
perfect or it could just be like that's eh, probably not the right one and you go on to the next one so it's probably helps out quite a bit and then in your standpoint too like you can talk to 15 different companies in a day whereas if you had to go to their office so you had to you know commute do all this you maybe could do two or three a day whereas being in one place at the golden gate bridge you can talk to somebody nonstop. so it's it's probably worked out pretty well uh, as far as that networking back and forth I, you know i didn't think about it that way i definitely feel that face-to-face even though we're face-to-computer face um you do have a, a, a sense of that you're talking with somebody that there's that there's somebody in front of you whereas when you're just sitting there talking on a phone and you're do what I do. As soon as I get on the phone, I walk outside and I just start pacing around the the yard and just kind of looking at all sorts of stuff. And then I think about the sticks that are on the ground and, you know, I see a truck and then I have no idea what we talked about five seconds ago, but at least you have some sort of like visual confirmation that you are talking to somebody and sometimes words come across a different way. Whereas if you can't see their facial expression, you don't know if they mean it or if it's like a joke or anything like that. So I think the video conferencing era has saved quite a bit of companies longevity during this and, 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 and in many cases, you know, started one. So it's, you know, pros and cons, but I think being able to find a pro out of any situation is definitely a good thing. Imagine, I mean, think about podcasting, for example, even if we take off the visual part of the equation, it still feels quite, you know, intimate. I don't know how you mm-hmm. feel about podcasts, but there's podcasts I listen to forever mm-hmm. and I've never seen their faces. True, but yeah. I feel like I really know them. You know, there's people developing like some uh, some hype about, um, for example, a radio speaker. Have you heard about that? You know, there's some famous radio speakers and some people feel like, oh, I'm in love with that radio speaker because I hear her or him all the time. Oh, yeah. like, there's something intimate about voice right. even. So uh, to everybody who's listening. To right. this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I listened to a couple of podcasts and then I actually went to go look up and see what they look like. And I'm like, wow, I was way off. Do that. No, I know it ruined, <laughs> it ruined it for me. Actually, I stopped listening to the podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I just like, I was just curious, but it was like, there's no way that face is saying those words and looking like, you know, like there's just, sometimes it doesn't link up. So that's why I changed all my pictures on Google to be something else. I mean, whenever I even listen to the playback of our own episodes and I hear my own voice, I'm like, is that really what I, I sound like to the world? And I'm like, I'm sorry for everybody listening <laughs> that this is my voice and that you're actually sitting through this, but I appreciate it. Thank you. We're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to change the way people yeah, I'll, I'll, think of your voice. I can also just change the voice too. If that's I can, I could, we could sound like aliens. I could change, I could change all that stuff in, in post <laughs> as the kids say, but that'd be silly. Um, so, you got some clients. What are what um are you? I know I'm not, I don't want to single anything out, but is there anything that you, what's what's what are you most excited about right now with your with Victoria.com? Hmm. I know it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could also say what do you what do you what are you most looking forward to besides you know being successful and getting a jet and big house and all that kind of stuff. But what, what's, uh, what's keeping you going every day? How, how do you keep, how do you keep the excitement level up? Yeah. So what I really enjoy is learning. 
So I take some time each day to develop a skill. I feel like I need some development. Right now I'm learning um, hand, hand lettering, which is so much fun for me. I'm, I'm doing- like calligraphy? Sculpture. Yeah, yeah, but not on the pen and paper, but right. digitally. So hand lettering, but it's it's pretty much, it, it's coming from the same place. And mm -hmm. I'm doing a Skillshare class right now. And I'm really enjoying just to see some tiny improvements each day. And I think it's when you work in design, for example, you see and you use, you know, that skill set, you use your tools every day. You always see like, wow, this is, you know, this is better than what I did a year ago. Mm -hmm. And there's always, you know, you gotta, you gotta give it to yourself too, right? You gotta look at your stuff and give yourself a compliment and say, wow, I did good because you're on your own, right? You're your own, you're your own company at this point. You're your own boss and you gotta say you did good or, you know, you could, use a little improvement on this and that. And seeing yourself grow is something that, you know, I, I really thoroughly enjoy learning, learning new skills and just also growing as an entrepreneur, learning how to tax things properly and which law applies for this and that, what I have to write into my terms and conditions, right? It's, 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 um, it gives me some clarity and confidence in the end, right? Being a better entrepreneur and, uh, yeah, that's that keeps me going. That's great. I don't think you could ask for much more than that. So that's I want you to record multiple daily affirmations for me and send them to me because that was that made me feel good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was like, man, I need that every day. That's a little good pat idea. on the back. Well, yeah. yeah, be like, you know what? You're. I do. So how that might be the same thing, right? How do you feel about you know constantly practicing and getting better at something that gives you some confidence? I'm like, yeah, I I do better than I used to. I would do that. I would say yes to that had I not just did a recording session and I was systematically getting worse at playing this one thing. I was trying to play this one lick and I was just getting off more and more and more and more awful to the point that I had to like turn everything off and walk away from it. But but yes, no, there is that sense of accomplishment. There is that sense of like, oh, I can do it. You know, I try to tell that to my kids. You know, they're like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, you can't be good right away. You have to you have to try. And actually, I was at South by Southwest and Dave Grohl, this is my favorite like rock star quote or whatever. Um, it's kind of in relation to the whole American Idol thing. Like people are just this immediate gratification society that we're in right now that, you know, everything now, now, now. And he's like, it's just almost not fun anymore. Like at one point in your life, you sucked. You were in a garage, you were playing with four of your friends and you were all awful together, but then you practice and you become good. And then that's the way you become strong as a, as a group, whether you're a solo performer or whatever, but you have to be bad in order to get good. If you just go out on stage and you're just automatically good, you hadn't, you didn't work for it. And so that's what he felt a lot of the music industry was lacking these days is that you just, there was, there was no more of this for like from the ground up and trying. And that translates very well to what you were doing. Now, I'm not saying that you suck and need to be in a garage <laughs> and that's where you need to be, but you are starting from one space. Yeah. You were starting from one space and you're working at it. You just said, you know, you're taking classes, you're getting better and hopefully that will lead to, to greatness. But I just, when I heard him say that, I was just like my internal, like, drum beat went off i was just like thank you for saying that <laughs> from somebody who was trying to do that like i appreciated that concept but I, I i i think about that all the time like you you can't be good 
right away. You have to work at it and you shouldn't expect to, you know, pick something up and just be awesome at it. If that were the case, it'd be no fun. Yeah. I mean, sure. There are naturals and every, you know, everything, but yeah, everything. Yeah. Skip the savants. Everybody that can just do whatever they want. Skip them. That's more power to them. But, the, yeah. the what 2% 1% of the population who are just like oh yeah no this makes yep. sense I can now just play piano flawlessly and yep. that's but, not yeah. who I'm no. referring to <laughs> <laughs> no. I do have a question for the two of you turning and turning yeah I was going to say this got, this got real yeah. so from a branding perspective I was wondering so let me start somewhere else so People say that branding is a person's gut feeling about a company or a product or a service. Right? A brand is not a logo. A logo is just, you know, a signifier for a brand. It's like a cowboy hat for a cowboy. You know, it's a cowboy because cowboy is wearing the hat. But a brand is more, uh, you know, of a gut feeling. And, you know, for example, from, from your memory, that, oh, yeah, I know something about this brand, something, you know, in my gut tells me this is good, this is homey, this is safe, this is, this is uh, family friendly, something about this look and feel, or what I remember from the advertising tells me this or that direction. So branding is very powerful in the subconscious, which, you know, neuroscience always shows us that a lot of the purchase decisions come from subconscious decisions and not very rational decisions. Otherwise, we would never get out of the supermarket if we were always rationally debating which kind of toothpaste we're going to buy now. Mm-hmm. We would just, you know, we'd be stuck there forever. And a don't go hungry things, either. I buy a lot of exactly. stuff. Yep. A lot of these things happen on a, you know, on a gut feeling level. And that's what branding is. It shapes that gut feeling. And if we stay with that metaphor, I was wondering, what do you think is privacy? What's the gut feeling of privacy? Mm for me it's you know uh just recognizing that privacy is a human right um you know nobody needs to know uh anything about me without having my consent um and it's something that i think that you know we're trying to uh educate the world on is that you know even though yeah it might seem silly that you know we're we're putting up such a strong defense for things like your email but we're also doing that for things like your biometric data, you know, uh, all these bits and pieces of information are in fact pieces of you, even if it is just your phone number or, you know, your email address, these things are still very much parts of you and you need to, you know, um, have control over that. And, you know, that locus of control really should be with that individual. And, you know, that's my gut feeling on what ghostry is and like what data privacy is. Um, But yeah, uh, Pete, what do you think? Yep. I echo what you're saying. I also feel such a, such a big question. If you think, if you think about the feeling, right? If, if you online privacy, how does that make you feel? Yeah. So for me, I I'm big into the, to the, my, my data, my, my choice type of thing. I, I feel like it's always, no, oh, that's such a that's such a great question. Like feel like I know what I feel, but like how do I actually say it? Um emotions. I know. I have so They're many so things hard. I'm thinking about. <laughs> what what Franz said was he feels that it's very important 
you know, something, it feels significant. I think that is a feeling mm -hmm. and he feels control. That is mm -hmm. another, you know, the feeling of being in control or maybe being out of control. I think for you it's more being in. I also, I feel like I want, I want it to matter more. Like, mm -hmm. I, and I, I think that's what I'm trying to get all my, my brain stuff to fire off at the same time here. I, I, I think, I think it should matter more to people that that it happens like, like you kind of gloss over a lot of it um like you see you know especially like apps for example like when i install apps you know and you have like the, the little privacy notices and stuff and like what they can have and everybody just kind of next 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 to get to the so they could use the thing like that's the stuff that's important and i and i feel like a, a lot of where we're at right now is because either the majority of people didn't care or don't want to care or if it's just like a waste of their time and then all of a sudden oh wait that's what you're doing like that's it's important to know that maybe some companies or, or some concepts out there are being a little nefarious but a lot of companies are saying what they're doing we're just not taking the opportunity or the time to acknowledge what it is and then make a decision on our own like if you're downloading something and you read something and you don't like what they're doing don't install it like, don't just install it like, well, I want this and now I'm going to be mad at you for doing this. Well, then you need to find another, op you know, another option, like find another privacy centric equivalent or find some another company that you believe what they are doing aligns with what you what you feel about it. And that, I feel like that's what you were kind of talking about earlier, that you need to you need to align with people that have the same you know, hopes, dreams, and desires, um, along with the fact that people are trying to make money, but online privacy is where it's at right now is because there was a lot of just wild west, get this stuff out there. We need to collect the data in order to get the right image in front of the right set of eyeballs at the right set at the right time. So they can click on it and then buy my stuff. And privacy wasn't taken into account earlier on. It was just get as much as we can. That's why we do the partnership thing where we go to the schools and we teach the people that are going to be building the next big things that privacy needs to be in the design, not in the afterthought. And where we're at right now is privacy was not in the, in the design. And so now that it's become such a hot topic, you start to see companies creating things with privacy up front. You start to see more open sourcing. You see, you start to see more conversation around privacy, whereas before it was just kind of like, there's the internet and you can put this stuff on it and it's pretty cool and we can share stuff. And Oh yeah, by the way, why do I keep seeing the same sneaker ad? You know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's trying to decide what's too much for you and where do you draw the line and how do you proceed using the same web that everybody else is using? So is that a better answer? That, yeah. So if I okay. hear that correctly, I think your gut feeling about privacy is a little frustrated. Yeah in general about the, the state of privacy and you feel like it's not perceived as that important and that, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, that creates yeah. that mm -hmm. frustration for you. I have a second question. If you, if you were to Google, search on Google images or on iStock for the word online privacy, what do you think, what are the kind of pictures that will pop up? Hopefully, Hopefully a, nice a nice blue, blue ghost. ghost. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Um, um see a lot of stop signs you'll see a lot of kind of just pictures images of desktops with you know red x's and 
I think it's more of like the preventative visual rather than anything. I don't think you'll see much positive. I see you'll, I think you'll see everything is more towards the, like, this has got to stop doing this. Like, I don't think you'll see anything being too. Yeah. Give me some examples. What are the colors? What are the symbols? You oh, see? Like red. I mean, you see a lot of reds. You see a lot of a spy guy. Yeah. Spy yeah. 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 You'll see yeah. the, you know, the, like... you'll see that, that forever stolen image of the guy with the hood, you know, you know, mm -hmm. hacking like that one's, that's a biggie. Mm -hmm. um, and for some reason, pre COVID he had a face mask on, like, you know, sitting behind his computer screen. He yeah. knew, he knew, he knew he, he was in on <laughs> Is it dark or bright pictures you see? Always dark. Yeah. I almost feel. always. In my mind, they're always dark. Dark, but nefarious, maybe, you know, sneaky. Maybe that's something that needs to change. Maybe we need to brighten this landscape. Yeah, that's, I think that's where I want to go with this. I feel like privacy needs a rebranding. The gut feeling of privacy is not going really well right now. It is perceived as you know, something you got to do, something negative. It's like doing your taxes, for example, to go back to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or, you know, the feeling of, oh, I should separate my waste, you know, separate the plastic from from the rest of my, my trash. You know, that kind of, you know, oh, I should be doing that, but it's not fun, right? And I think this kind of gut feeling, we need to influence that to have people perceive it as something more positive, something more empowering than, you know, sad or, or uh, you know, that something that means work for you. How can we make privacy a thing that is, you know, inspiring you, is making you feel happy and confident and positive about doing that for yourself? Because if you think about it, it is your right, right? It belongs mm -hmm. to you. And there are many people out there who are very conscious about what they do every day, you know, what they eat, what they consume, uh, what kind of, where, where they're traveling, right? Where they buy from. There's a lot of consciousness all right, already out there in our purchasing behavior, but it's not there in the online world. We're still very negligent, right? Mm. We might be very eco-friendly in our real life and our computer is full of trash. And I think Oof. that is something to think about, right? How can we take mm -hmm. all this positive movement that exists right now and shape the state of online privacy into something more positive? Wow. I really like that approach. I like that. Yeah. Let's do that. I mean, yeah, let's do it. Because, <laughs> you know, in, a, in this drab landscape, at least we got this nice little blue ghosty who's got a big old smile and you know it seems to be the right direction in in terms of positivity um, i agree ghosty is very yeah. positive to me i always appreciate yeah. that little fella me too I, I i like him and you know it seems like that's a general consensus like you know every time we had those little ghosty plushes that we give out at like comic con those things would fly Vic off the victoria knows those well shelf. i know i've been there <laughs> yeah. i've done that victoria was at oh, comic con comic -Cons too? wait a minute you were there too wait, you Wait. you inadvertently met. Were you there the year that we did the capes, oh, the blue capes? Yeah, yeah, the no. yellow oh, shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yellow shirt. There. And I have the. I, I was wearing the yellow shirt earlier. Oh, I'm gonna go back today. and look at the pictures. Wait, I bet you guys are standing right next to Did we really meet before? This is I hilarious. I mean, we know each other. <laughs> yeah. See, Ghosty, bringing people together across oceans. Isn't and that beautiful? Comic Conish yeah. stuff and things. I forgot and capes. About the blue capes. Oh, I got two of them still. Oh, we did meet. Yeah, I, I just got a light bulb. We, we did, did it. It, it was 
Yeah. It was, was in uh, it was in New York City Comic Con, right? Yep. Javits Center. Yeah. I had shorter hair. That's yep. what it was. Okay. That's, That's what it what is. It, yes. <laughs> wow. I can't. I know. I honestly, I honestly can't believe that. Uh, you weren't even working at Ghostry at that time. No, no, weren't was, you were in some other yeah. company? You were just like anything I can help. I was like, actually, you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> you want a free ticket to Comic Con and hand out ghosts? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah volunteered and I just yeah came by, checked out uh, Ghostry and a little bit of Goku. Uh, you know, at Comic Con, mm-hmm. and that was that was about it. Killed two birds. But you know, if we tie that back to the topic we had before, right? A gut feeling. That is a good thing, right? You're there at Comic Con where the spirit is creation. There are so many creative people out there who have a huge imagination, who you know play the games, who love the worlds that are created, and they are you know that's that's very smart and very powerful in that point. And you positioned yourself there as you know being part of. You attached yourself to that emotion, right? And that is a smart move. Not being at you know the conferences that are scary and you know about. Cybersecurity conventions, you know, imagine the different picture having a cybersecurity convention and Comic Con. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's not, in a, you know, privacy is a serious topic, but it does not have to come across as that negative, mm-hmm. you know, like safety itself being like, you know, being scared, being afraid. And the other thing is being empowered, imagining a future, imagining how you want the internet to be. Like it's a game. And guess what? The world kind of is a game. We're, mm-hmm. we're creating this mm-hmm. while we go. And if we want our web to be like that, we could do this. And I think that's, you know, that's something to start with. And I think you already figured that one out. Well, thank you. I'll take, well, we'll I think we'll both take uh, that I'll, compliment. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, so, um, so that's what an uplifting positive note to end this podcast on so uh victoria thank you so much for taking time out of your day what time is it over there right now is it six almost six six p.m well i hope you have yeah, a nice I, rest of your evening yeah and thanks so much for uh you know like Pete said spending the time with us on the podcast and i am very sorry that i didn't put two and two together much, much i wouldn't earlier. have thought of, i wouldn't have remembered that at all hour. i forgot only- i mean no offense to you franz but i for i mean i knew you were there but I remember more that Victoria was there because that was like, wasn't that the first time we were faced, like actually like in person met, we had met over zoom multiple times. No, we and we met then, on the Oktoberfest. Was that before that one? Yeah. We oh, met okay. on Oktoberfest. And then we got you over. That's, that's when we convinced Mark to send you over. That's what it was. I knew it was like my first week of work. And like, so I just met the speed guy from ghostery. But she needs to come to New York. In New York. Yeah. Can I come with it? Yeah, that worked. <laughs> Stayed in a very weird weird place i remember that one that was a weird little area it was weird i mean it's a free trip to new york right it was it was like a like a it used it looked like it used to be like a firehouse that they turned it converted into like 15 like apartment hotel room things and it was just it was strange like i couldn't even get in to like tell her i was there because there was like no you just couldn't get in. Like, it sounds like, like almost like you're going to get a key. You have to talk to a wizard in order to go past the front gate and then get up to your, <laughs> it was over by the Javits center. So it was just kind of mm-hmm. like wherever, wherever oh, that is. Yeah. So oh, it was very, just, very far west side. But she, I mean, we, we walked to the convention center from there. It was like maybe like 10 blocks, something like that. Long blocks okay. over on that side of town. But, um, yeah. it was awesome. It was great. We had some good times. We definitely had some good well, times. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully, in a world post-COVID, uh, you can make your way back towards the state. Uh, you know, we'll always have a uh, 
desk at Ghostery if, uh, you know, for you, yeah. if you need to come on in and uh, the New York City office will be there for you. Cool. And I'd love will... to meet y'all again. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. Um, we will, of course, post all relevant links and ways to get in touch with Victoria. If your company or you are in need of a brand manager, you couldn't get a better one. Um, so Aww. please, please call her and give her all your monies and let her make your company that much better. Um, no, but uh, Victoria, it's wonderful to see you again. It's wonderful to talk to you again. And we wish you all the best um, in anything you do. And if you need anything from us, you know, you know which Zoom link to, to click on. Thank you very much, Pete. All right, Ghostarians, that's it for this episode. We appreciate you listening. We will be back next two weeks, not next week, two weeks with another episode filled with things that Franz and I will talk about next week of what we want to talk about. And um, getting close to the big episode 10, our season finale, we'll have a little little something for y'all for hanging out with us. And um, again, thank you all for the, for the continued support. And we will talk to you later. So I'm Pete. I say goodbye now. I'm Franz. I say goodbye. <laughs> Dorian, goodbye. There we go. <laughs> Bye.